Wall Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Since the dawn of time, we have put those who are wealthy and famous upon a pedestal. As we think of our favorite celebrities, we often are entranced with their wealth. We ourselves dream of money and success, fast cars, lavish vacations, big houses. We want it. We long for it. And we, when we look at the lives of the rich and the famous, we often don't think that they have real problems. Life for them seems easy, that they can just buy their problems away. Truth is, those who are wealthy have struggles and difficulties that we do not know of. Today, we look at the story of the Menendez family, a family who appeared to have it all, but behind closed doors had deep, dark secrets. Find out what happened today on another episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Hands. (laughs) Uh, This is a point that I'd like to input a quote. That has helped me a lot in my life. Oh, God. Money doesn't solve problems, but it's easier to cry in a Mercedes than on a bicycle. (laughs) So the wealthy have problems, but, you know, they're not always as bad as like, well, what about, I don't have food today, you know? Well, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sometimes they do murder each other, though. Yeah, they... Spoiler. (laughs) Whatever. Okay, well, anyway, this episode's rough. Uh, yeah, this is going to be uh, just I know a lot of you out there listen to this podcast because you you want a true crime podcast free of graphic details mm-hmm. of murder and uh, assaults and you don't want to feel scared. Um, if you're that kind of person that listens to our show, don't. Do this one. Don't do any of the finales, actually. don't listen to that. This is not the one. Skip the finales. This one isn't for you. you, But this one is for the people who do like traditional true crime and who like to hear about it as it relates to the wealthy, which is what we always do our season finales on. You guys probably know that by now if you've been here for the long haul. Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah. For multiple reasons. For multiple reasons. I got broken up with. So I'm sad, and I have to talk about murder. So you know, Great. Just, everyone at home, just remember, Nina came here to talk about every all the very terrible things we're about to discuss after being broken up with. So it could be worse. For yeah, you. yeah. Just keep that in mind while I say all these horrible things. So, uh, and it's like they got murdered. You know what's bad too? Me being broken up with. <laughs> yeah, they relate. They why, get it. Why is your life the worst life, Nina? It's not the worst life. I don't have cancer. It was hyperbole. I can walk. (laughs) I can see. I have running water. There we go. I don't have a partner. No, no, you don't. Let's talk about the Menendez family, mm. specifically the brothers. But first, we're going to talk about the parents. So all of this starts 
in the country of Cuba. 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 Uh, Jose Menendez was an immigrant from Cuba. He was a hardworking man who was determined to have the American dream. He immigrated to the United States at the age of 16. And it was said that when he was a young man before he came to the U.S., he was kind of a bully. And he had a heightened sense of self at a young age. What, um, what does that mean, a heightened sense of self? He thought he was way cooler than he was. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's a dick. He's a dick. Deal. He's cocky. A heightened sense of self is just such a nice way to say it. I didn't know how else to say it. I was like, yeah, he's got a heightened sense All of right. self. Okay. Um, he had his hand in a lot of different areas of business when he came to the U.S., but ultimately he found great success as a movie executive in Hollywood. Great success. He met a, he met a lady. Her name was Mary Kitty. She went by Kitty. Um, what if instead of saying her name the whole entire episode, I just meow? Nina, Nina, I I just got a quick sidebar. You know that she gets murdered, right? (laughs) You just, so I don't think we can give her a cute little, a cutesy little cat nickname uh, before uh, she gets killed. But good thought. Just trying to lighten the mood. I like where you're going. (laughs) Just trying to lighten the mood. Um, So he met Kitty Menendez at Southern Illinois University, and they got married while they were in college. After graduation, they moved to New York. They had their first son, Joseph, who went by Lyle. For some reason. Yeah. They, um, They had Lyle on January 10th, 1968, and they had their son, Eric. Spelt with a K. Yeah. On November 27th, 1970. Um, I'm going to just put it out there. I've never met a good Lyle. I don't think I've ever met a Lyle. I um, dated, I won't even say dated. I went on a few dates with a man named Lyle when I first moved to this city. Lyle told me, you're hot, but you'd be hotter if you worked out more. (laughs) Ah, is that the only Lyle you've met? Yeah. So never meeting a... I've never met a good Lyle refers to this one Lyle. Sorry to all the Lyles what, at home. One that very has. specific Lyle who said that mean thing to me. Sorry to all the Lyles at home. Yeah. Uh, that haven't met Nina. Sorry, Lyle. You know what? If you're thinks- a good Lyle, slide in my DMs. Okay. Prove me wrong. Oh, God. Um, but Kitty, she always had dreams of being an actress. But after their sons were born, Jose told Kitty that she needed to stay at home and raise their sons. So I... I already hate him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's shitty. Like, you don't get to pursue your dreams because you popped out my kids. But after their sons were born, there was an extreme shift in their marriage, and Jose became more and more controlling. Um, It was said that the boys were extremely spoiled, relatives noting that there were really no consequences for bad behavior or anything like that. But Jose, he had a lot of control over Kitty and the boys as well. And so he also, and he wanted the boys to become extremely successful. So the boys, they, when they had, you know, they were born in New York, they ended up raising them in Princeton, New Jersey. But Jose was successful on both the East and West coasts. Um, It said that the boys were very flashy with their money and they were not afraid to show that they were rich. Appearances were extremely important to the entire family. So he was a movie executive. Do we know any of the movies that he worked on? I'm gonna. We're gonna talk about that. Ooh, we are gonna talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that he sat in the office and dictated. Oh, he's an executive. Yeah, he's not down there doing yeah. actual production. He just money. Yeah. No, but we will talk about where the company he worked for. So um, it was set. So this is hilarious. So they wanted their sons to do really well. They were really concerned about how they, you know. 
were uh, Jose and Kitty would do the boys' homework for them. Yeah. So that it would be done correctly, but then they'd go and take the test and fail it. Also, I don't know about you, Nina, but let's say if I had a kid right now and they brought me, like, history homework, I'd be like, I don't fucking know this shit. I, if I did their homework, I would probably be worse at it because I haven't <laughs> taken that a class for so long and they just learned about it yesterday. Right. Yeah. It's like, don't ask me the, the state capitals. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those I do remember. But there's a lot of, like, All of them? science. What's, yeah. what's the state capital of North Dakota? Bismarck. South Dakota. Hold on. That one I'm not. All right. I guess I don't remember. I think it's Pierre. Yes, it is. It's Pierre, South Dakota. But I only said that one because I knew it. <laughs> there's a lot I don't know. <laughs> Give me another one. Delaware. Dover. Really? Yeah. I don't even know if you're right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm right. Okay, I could just be lying and you would have no idea. You're right. Um, but yeah, so they would do their homework. Um, they also would control who their sons dated and also told them who they could and couldn't be friends with. How old are they right now? So this was just, you know, throughout high school and stuff. Oh, okay, you know? okay, okay. Like elementary of, school through high school. I had a lot of friends like that whose parents were like, you can't. Mostly women. Their dads were like, you can't date boys. Not till you turn 18 and oh. I can legally... Kill them with a shotgun. Well, they could date, but they like had to approve who they dated. That's even that's weirder. But the boys were always very, very worried about what their dad thought about them. They were always trying to please their dad. Mm -hmm. Um, They both were heavily involved in tennis, and the expectation was that they would become tennis stars. And it was really important for Jose to have his children go to an Ivy League school. So Lyle graduates first, and unfortunately, Lyle Menendez was not a strong student. His, never, met, never met a good Lyle. Nope, never met a smart Lyle. Mm-hmm. Um, his grades were not up to up to par, and his dad really wanted him to attend Princeton, and he just was not smart enough to do that. Yikes. However... He was a great tennis player. And between him being a stellar tennis star and his dad making a $50,000 donation to Princeton. Grease the wheels a little he bit. He was able to attend school there. What does that remind you of? Uh, the college admission scandal. Yeah. <laughs> so go back and listen to that one. If you have not listened to it already, we cover the college admissions, admission, admissions scandal. God, say that five times fast. That's one of my favorite episodes. Not going to lie. It was fun. That was a fun one. Uh, But while Lyle was at Princeton, he was not a very good student. I don't think that shocks anyone. He ended up plagiarizing a paper, and he was suspended from Princeton. So stupid. And this was before they could just search it on the Google. Right, yeah. So this was so obvious. Yeah, that was so much easier to plagiarize back then. Holy shit. It's so obvious that someone was like, I think I've read this one. Is this in Time Magazine? Wasn't this? They just open up the one from that morning. It's like, this is the same article. He cut, he cut it out and pasted it onto a piece oh of paper. And they're God. like, you're out of Princeton, bro. You're out of Princeton. <laughs> His dad really tried to, like, he went to the dean, tried to get him to stay, but they were like, enough, fam. You it's cannot. Just, like, even if you give us another 50000 donation. You can give us a $50,000 donation and we're still kicking your kid out. 100000 We might think about it. You know they would say something like that. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, but even though that very terrible thing happened... Um, <laughs> Lyle getting kicked out. Jose got a job with Carolco Production, or sorry, Carolco Pictures in Live Entertainment. That's the name of it. Carolco Pictures in Live Entertainment. This was a company that produced Terminator 2. The best Terminator. Okay. Good to know. Okay. Um, some of the Rambo movies and 
more. The, <laughs> so there was, there so was two like, plus others. No, there was a lot of movies. And I was like, I, they're, they were mainly action movies and oh, I, okay. from the 80s and that 70s and 80s that I was like, I have not, I don't know what any of these are. Yeah, that's fair. I knew what Terminator and Rambo were. So all we're saying is that Jose Menendez was a better movie executive than Jack Abramoff was. Yes. That's all we're saying. Yes. Um, but the company is no longer around today. Mm, okay. So... But him getting this job caused the family to move from Princeton, New Jersey to Calabasas, which is right outside of Los Angeles. And if you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians, you know that they also live in Calabasas. It's a rich area. Great. The house was, oh my God, it was so nice. It was insane. Um, and this is just my favorite part of anything that I found of them is that the boys will tell you that they were not spoiled. You went to Princeton. You went to Princeton. You played tennis for you Princeton. plagiarized. Your dad bought your way into Princeton. Don't you're, tell me you're not spoiled. You're, like, I know that um, their heritage is from, like, Cuba, right? Mm-hmm. But by, at this point, the, playing tennis at Princeton, you're white enough that I could use you to fix mistakes on a paper. Like, you are white <laughs> out white um, at this point inside. So you cannot say that you are not spoiled. I bet they These wore boys. Ca- I bet they wore cardigans tied around their neck and they wore boat shoes and pink fucking or pastel colored shorts. Like I know they did. You're spoiled. They're spoiled. I couldn't afford Adidas. I had to get knockoff ones that have four lines on them instead. Oh, All right? they really? They don't know the struggle. <laughs> I, I feel I definitely bought some knockoff Adidas at some point that looked kind of like Adidas, but they weren't. I'm wearing Adidas right now. Does that make you feel bad? No, bro. We made it. Yeah, we did. Started from the bottom. Now we're here, bro. I'm wearing I'm wearing real Chucks right now. Oh, real Chuck Taylors. Look at uh, you. And you have a sports hat on. That the, wasn't not cheap. the fake New Balance ones. This is a fifty. This is a fifteen dollar hat. Really? I made it. What? I made. No, I didn't make the hat. Like I made it. Like in life. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm going back to the story. You're this is how you feel all the time, I think. I think so. Yeah, I'm experiencing what you experience in every single episode you're in charge. You're welcome. Um so anyway, when moving to Calabasas, the boys' behavior it, they, it just they got out of control. They were out of control. Um one of Eric Menendez's friends said that when they would go into a store, if Eric was not immediately greeted by an employee, he would jump on the display tables and throw things off of them and yell, I'm here to buy something so's everyone so he's really a dick he's just a dick oh my god the boys and their friends started doing what was called hot prowls what the fuck which is when you sneak into someone's house when they're not home and think about committing a burglary what the fuck that's not a thing this is the stupidest thing in the world I'm just gonna. Ooh, oh, I could have. I could have done it if I wanted to. I, I could have had anything at that but house, I but I didn't. I just thought about it really hard. But they were fascinated with committing crime. Uh, Lyle and his friends then actually did commit a burglar. Burglary. Uh, remember, Lyle is the older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he stole something from a friend's house. He showed it to Eric, his younger brother, and since Eric wanted to be just like his big brother. He decided to start stealing. Now, mind you, like, they're older. They're, it's not like they're 8 and 10. Yeah. Being like, I want to be like my brother. No, you guys, you're like 16 to 18 when this is happening. Also, they have so much money. Why do you want to steal stuff? Well, I was going to um, 
talk about that, but I'll do it later, but I'll do it now. It's a rich kid thing to do. I don't need this. I'm stealing it for the thrill. It's like the thrill of maybe getting caught. It's like the same as like driving fast. It's like gives you an adrenaline just, oh my rush. God, just jerk off with the door unlocked. It's the same thing. All right. <laughs> like, I guess. Like there's low stake ways to do this. You're, you're, it boils down to you're an idiot. I mean, like I had some friends in high school and college who were pretty well off. They were fine and they would steal shit from the mall all the time just for like fun. Stupid. Just because they could do it. Stupid. It is stupid. Um, so he would, they would end up targeting their friends' parents, which is even shittier. And the first burglary, over $100,000 worth of cash and jewelry were stolen. Oh, my God. And so this is how they would commit the burglaries. They would back up a van to, um, to the house and then just, like, load whatever they could into the van. Classic burglary. Uh, yeah, but I just strat. feel like it was, like, not covert at all. That's how I feel. But anyway, they what got... What do you think? Do you think they should be, like, cutting holes in glass and rappelling down from the ceiling? Yeah. Like it's Mission Impossible? Yeah, if you are in it for the rush, <laughs> let's do it. Let's get... Let's make it. You can buy a glass cutter. You're rich. They, like, put lasers in the house to, like, walk around. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, this has to be cool. That's what I want them to do. Well, they got arrested, and their <laughs> daddy covers their tracks and pays the victims off. He, they like went to each person's house that they robbed, and he and Jose like wrote them a check for whatever oh the God. kids stole. Well, obviously Jose was extremely upset though that the boys did this. Yeah, um, they were put on probation after they were caught, and they went to therapy to deal with the issue. Um, it was around this time that the family decided to move to Beverly Hills to distance themselves from the Calabasas area. Uh, Lyle was seen as the alpha of the two brothers. He was charismatic. He was decently intelligent, but not, I mean, like, I don't think he was book smart. I think he was more street smart. Yeah, I'm about to say, not enough to stay in Princeton. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> I don't, I think he wasn't stupid, but I don't think he was a good student. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, sure. Um, but he was, he was a lot like his dad and it's, I don't know, they were just, they're also rich and dumb, and it was just funny because I was like watching this documentary, and the neighbors and the people from Beverly Hills area, because they're like, yeah, they moved here, and they're like talking about Beverly Hills, and they're like, you know, we're just like other people, we're just like everyone else. It's like you are so out of touch with reality; it is insane. No, you're not. We're the same as everybody else. I'm like, oh yeah. We we put our uh, Versace pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. My morning, Francesca, my eggs. My morning swim in the back pool is just as hot as it is for everybody else. Oh my God. But, you know, they moved to get away from bad influences, to get away from Calabasas, but um, it didn't really work because Lyle and Eric became more and more irresponsible. Um, Lyle dropped out of college. He was spending money like crazy. He started dating very high profile women, such as Victoria's Secret models cool bro his parents ended up taking away his credit cards but then he would just like steal his parents credit cards and buy whatever he wanted so didn't really work imagine being so rich that your kids could steal your card and spend it on like anything and then you'd still be like i have the money to cover it but stop stop spending tens of thousands of dollars that's insane actually to think about it that way yeah you're like i didn't think about it that way you're like fine i'll pay it but like stop doing it can you please stop buying Rolexes. If someone stole ten thousand dollars from me, they would be stealing. Uh, they would be making my bank account negative eight thousand dollars. <laughs> like, right. I don't have. I can't do that. <laughs> right. It's like, no, I can't do that either, bro. 
I'd be like, did you just buy Subway again? <laughs> you got to stop adding avocado at Subway. It costs $1.50 and we're not made of money. <laughs> so funny. Um, but Lyle wasn't the only disappointment. Eric was a disappointment too. Um, it was actually rumored. This is not like, I do not think this is disappointing, but this was the later 80s. It was the 80s, you know, lots of things weren't accepted the way that people were dumb, okay? And it was rumored that Eric was gay, which his father didn't approve of. Now, Eric will tell you that he is not gay, but only he knows if that's the truth or not. Um, But Jose would use this accusation of Eric being gay against him, which is really shitty. And this is also like at the height of the AIDS epidemic. So there's like all of this fear and anger towards mm-hmm. the homosexual community. Too. Yeah. So like this is like like it, it's even worse. And it was I think it was utilized a lot around this time because of oh, that. Probably. Yeah. Just like how like when we hated communists, we called everyone a communist. You know, that was like the biggest insult mm-hmm. you could do. And I think around this, it was, you know, uh, gay people were always ostracized. But at this point, it was even worse. Yeah. And um, Eric, he really liked to write. He liked to write a lot, um, and specifically, he liked to write screenplays, um, and he really, really enjoyed writing murder mysteries. He did write a screenplay about a boy who killed his parents for the insurance money. Coincidence? Kidding? I don't know. Kind of weird. Um, And then around this time, it was discovered that Jose was actually having an ongoing affair with a woman in New York, and he also was seeing a woman in Los Angeles. And he would see sex workers quite often. Damn, Eric getting it wet. No, that was Jose. Oh, Jose. His dad. Oh, shit. His dad was dipping his candlestick in a lot of different wax. Oh, ugh. (laughs) Kitty Menendez. Um, She was really trapped in the life that her husband created. She started popping pills and took so much Valium once that she was rushed to the hospital. And the doctors believed that that the overdose was not an accident. Um, she had actually told Jose's sister that she wished she had never had children. I think that's, I, I truly think that this is o- the only reason she said that was because um, her sons did not turn out the way that she had envisioned. And she was just really disappointed in what her life had become. And the whole, indi- like her family, her relationship, that was her whole identity. You know what I mean? Uh, her husband stripped her of her hopes and dreams and her whole life was her husband and her sons, and that was also being taken away from her. You know, my kids are fuck-ups. My husband's cheating on me. Yeah. After he forced you to stay home to take care of these kids. Right. Yeah, you had dreams. Probably and makes you feel like a failure, too, because now you gave up everything you wanted to take care of these kids, and now the kids are kind of... They're shitty. Fucking up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And the boys say that Jose would physically and emotionally abuse Kitty, and I absolutely believe it. So Jose ended up telling his brother-in-law that um, he was going to take the boys out of his will because of their behavior. So Jose was not the only one who wanted to take his sons out of the will. Um, Kitty also changed her will so that the boys... Oh, not meow. Meow. Not, not meow Menendez. Not meow. Meow. Took her boys out of the will. So weird. I don't like that. (laughs) Kitty took her boys out of the will, and she uh, didn't care if the boys found out she wasn't going to leave them any money. Um, It was said that Jose Menendez was a pretty terrible guy, and I know I, like, briefly touched on the fact that he was abusive to Kitty. Um, He was also... It was also... Jose was described as someone that you should be afraid of. 
Um, and there's this one story that I heard that the family had a ferret and somehow the ferret died. And Jose and Kitty assumed that one of the family's dogs killed a ferret because the dog was pretty aggressive. Mm. And a couple days later, the boys opened up the refrigerator and the dog's head was inside the fridge. That's kind of fantastical, isn't it? I, I, don't... I mean, I know that you told me a story that's not that far off. Uh, I didn't find the head in my fridge. That's the part I don't believe. I believe that he ki- would kill the dog. Right. I don't think he's going to display the head in the fridge just because, one, that's a lot of work. you got to plate it. Yeah. I mean, because if not, the blood's going to go everywhere, and you get, mm. you have to keep it on the bottom shelf as his, as his food, you know, like safety regulations. Uh, I'm sure mandate. that, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think that they took the serve safe course well, on mean, how to serve the dog's head. No, I'm just saying meat goes on the bottom shelf. We all know that. But, you know, to... to Properly presented, though, they'd have to put it on the middle, and, you know, you can't have vegetables underneath it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well. So I, I don't think this I happens. do think that they killed the dog. Yes, I, I could see them yeah. killing the dog. I don't think yeah. it displayed its head as if he was some sort of weird serial killer of dogs. Yeah. Um, in an interview Jeff, that I... Jeffrey Dogmer. Sorry. I just had um, to... That's, <laughs> I had to put it in. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay. So anyways, in an interview with Barbara Walters, Lyle described his relationship with his father as brutal, painful torturous and yet i admired him because he was so strong and he was everything that success was and he also described him as the most brilliant person i have ever met in the same interview which honestly that shows how fucking manipulative his dad was for you to say all those things first and then, and like, then but. but he was really great at business he's the that smartest person I've ever known. Yeah, it, it shows the glorification of Jose Menendez in that family, yeah. to be honest with you. And in the same interview, Lyle described his mother as someone who was in an in a lot of pain and an, al- an alcoholic and suicidal. So like I had said, they cut the boys out of their will. And when they cut the boys out, or there was rumors of them getting cut out, they spiraled. They kind of lost control. Um and around that time, Eric confided in Lyle and told him that his father had been, quote, doing things to me. And this is the part of the story that um, it's going to start getting graphic in a lot of different ways. Yes. Um, this is, yeah, this is. Uh... We will be talking about abuse sexual abuse murder i will not be going into great detail with the sexual abuse because um we don't you, we don't need to it's you don't need we to we don't need to um but it's coming so now's your time you got about 30 seconds you can click off you can pause it now do some self-care before you yeah, listen to this next yeah. part run a bath don't listen to the next part in the bath it'll ruin the bath it'll uh, probably ruin the bath. light some candles put something smelly in there maybe some lavender and then get out of the bath put on a bathrobe all right. This is long. Sit this thirty seconds. Sit with some slippers this on. This has got to be longer than and, thirty. Well, oh, if you keep interrupting, and then we'll sit there with some slippers on, and you know what? It's derailed. Let's just get to the. Let's get to the. On August twentieth, nineteen eighty nine, Jose and Kitty Menendez were in the den of their home in Beverly Hills. Two killers entered the home carrying shotguns. Jose was shot in the back of the head. Kitty tried to escape. She was shot in the leg and then shot in the arm, chest, and face, leaving her unrecognizable. 
Lyle and Eric had been at the movies and came home several hours later. Um, after finding his parents, Lyle called 911 and was completely er erratic and screaming, Someone kill my parents! He was very convincing. Um, he sounded so frantic and, he, and devastated. Um, it was noted that neighbors heard the 12 shots that were fired, but no one called the police. Didn't really make any sense. Um, when I was watching interviews with the police, when they were talking about it, they're like, well, you know, we only average two murders a year in Beverly Hills and people just don't believe that it would happen. And I'm like, but 12 gunshots in a row, you're not going to call 911. I would call. Yeah. So the police got there when they entered the house, they found the bodies completely mutilated and the TV still on. It was said that there was brain matter on the ceiling and the windows. When police entered the home, they did not go through all the proper procedures to ensure that the murderers were caught. A neighbor suspected that it was the brothers from the beginning. Dun, dun, dun. Um, one reason was that the amount of gunshots that were fired into Jose and Kitty, it was clear that it was a crime of passion. Um, the neighbor who suspected it was the brothers. Her name is Clara Wright. She was a friend of the family. And she said that the morning after the murders, Eric said to her that they needed her husband's legal help due to the murders. She says, why would you need to be seeking legal help the day after your parents' murder unless you're guilty? Sus for sure. Sus. If you know someone who gets murdered and the next time someone comes to you, you'll be like, do you know a good lawyer? Sus. Sheesh. That's <laughs> sus. The see, you joke, but that'll be the that'll be the interactions in ten years when those kids are lawyers and they're like, <laughs> Sheesh, bro, this lawyer job is bussing, you know? Oh my god, I had a kid at my table. I'm a server, if anybody doesn't realize that. And uh this kid got nachos. And I was like, Hey guys, how's everything look? And he goes, I don't know if you know this word, but uh it's bussing. I do know what bussing means. I do, an, I do know what bussing means. We got a bunch of people doing it to the tables right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but Clara Wright also noted that um, Eric had no emotion when he told her about the murders. <sighs> so when the police started their investigation, it was first suspected that this was a mafia hit. I really couldn't figure out why they thought that. I don't know if it was the brutality of the murders. Yeah, maybe the execution style of Jose, how he was shot like in the back of the head. Yeah, maybe. That's classic mafia. Yeah. The police saw that the mafia theory was a dead end, and it was clear that it was the brothers who did the murder. They just had to prove it. So, the estate of Jose Menendez was worth about $14 million. Oof. Lyle and Eric both got an insurance policy payout of $400,000. Um, what'd they do with that money? They went on a shopping spree. Yeah. Um, it's called retail therapy. All right. My parents died. I'm going to buy a Porsche, a restaurant, and a Rolex. Yeah. You can drink your nights away for free at the restaurant you just bought because mm -hmm. it's easier to cry in a restaurant you own than on a bicycle. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, they claim that, like, because a lot of people, they were under fire for that okay. as this <laughs> yeah, unfolded. Sure. Um, their claim was, they were like, we just didn't know what to do with the money. So I feel like nothing is the default if you don't know what to do, not like spend it on, like, you obviously knew what to do with it because you started buying a bunch of shit. Yeah, you clearly knew what you wanted to do with it. 
Um, but as time went on or we, you know, Eric was really emotionally distraught after his parents' murder. And you ready for a plot twist, Kishan? Give it to ready me. for this? Twist the plot. Eric confessed to his friend that he committed the murders while they were playing chess. Oh, that's a bad time. Anytime's a bad time, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> very bad. Um, So Eric also ended up, well, actually both the boys, they ended up going to a psychologist. His name was Dr. Ozeal, and Eric admitted to the psychologist that he had committed the murders. Um, Dr. Ozeal started taping the sessions with the brothers to gain evidence against him. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't, I think you can't do that. I he did it though. All right. I I also thought when I was like learning this, I was like, I think you're not supposed to do that. But I do think that it I might be quoting this wrong, but someone once told me that all therapy sessions are taped in case you were to like hurt yourself or someone else. I mean, I guess that would make sense. Yeah. I don't know that for a fact though. But um Ozeal told his girlfriend that if anything were to happen to him, that the tapes were in the lockbox and to give them to the police so that they would know what happened. Eric gave him extreme details, including where they bought the shotguns and where he shot his mother. Ooh, okay. Um, Ozeal's girlfriend didn't wait for anything to happen to him. She just immediately went to the police and this gave them to a, the ability to get a warrant and they were able to arrest Lyle. So, because of what Eric said. So, Lyle Menendez was apprehended on March 8th, 1990. And Eric Menendez was apprehended on March 11th, 1990. I'm going to do a little bit of rewinding, but I wanted to set the murder scene a certain way. Like, ooh. I mean, I think everybody knew they did it, but I kind of wanted to be like, ooh, did they do it? Did they not do it? Ooh, ooh. They fucking did it. Um, But, so we're going to do a little bit of rewinding. But... It's clear that the brothers are the ones who committed the crime. But was money the only motive? Good question. Many think not. So I left this part out earlier, but it's important to include. And again, now I already did the murder part. There's going to be a lot of depiction of sexual abuse. So turn it off if you want to. If not, keep going. But um, Eric had confided in his brother that his father, which I had said a little bit earlier, but he had been doing things to him. Um, a cousin of the family recalls that Lyle told her about the sexual abuse of their father when Lyle was eight years old. He told his cousin that he was afraid to sleep in his bed alone um, because of what his father was doing. The cousin immediately went to tell Kitty what was going on, but she didn't believe it. And she, um, all right, I'm just going to come out and say this. Right now, um, if a child who's that young accuses someone of something like that, they're not making it up. Mm -hmm. Kids don't make up stuff like that unless someone directly tells them to say it. But like, because yeah, I don't even think they fully understand it. No. To be able to tell you. So like they're not like little adults. Like they, they don't get what's going on. Right. Um, a lot of the family members still deny that Jose ever, ever sexually abused the boys. And I just get, like all I got to say that is just like fuck you. And then when Jose found out that Larry, Eric had confided in Lyle about the abuse. He told Lyle I know you're going to tell everyone and I'm not going to let that happen. And when that statement was made the boys went out and bought guns. So this was way later, though, right? When they bought the guns? When the first 
the first time that they confronted him about it or? So the abuse had been going on for years. Yeah. For like years and years and years. Close-ish to the time of the murders, Eric confided in Lyle that their dad had been abusing him. His dad abused Lyle too, but Lyle didn't realize that it was happening to Eric as well. Lyle's abuse happened more when he was young. And then Eric's abuse, from what I could gather, Eric's abuse happened when he was a bit older. Oh, okay. It was said that the source of the hatred was the sexual abuse that the boys endured. And the source of the homicide was the fact that they had been cut off from the money. Mm. I don't think that the, personally, I don't think the money was the motive, like the main motive. I think it was the tip of the iceberg. It was like, you're going to do all that to me. And now you're going to take away my money. Yeah. You're going to treat me like shit for years. Like your money is like the thing that like, quote unquote, makes this okay, I guess. Yeah. And now you're going to take it away from me. No. So I, I think it was the tip of the iceberg. But the night that the murders happened, the boys decided to lie to the police when the police came because they knew they'd go to jail and they didn't want to go through that. Mm -hmm. That is a direct quote. And like, sorry, bro. Yeah, you, it, it, that that's the consequence of killing your parents. Like, yeah, we we talked about this before we started, but it's like this obviously shows that they knew that this was wrong and they mm -hmm. still decided to do it anyway. Right. So it's like if you know what you're doing is against the law and wrong and you have the clarity of mind to try and cover it up. Right. Then it's it's still wrong. <laughs> it's still wrong. Eric said that after the murders were committed, he just sat on the steps waiting for the police to show up because he thought they were just going to show up in seconds, but they didn't. So that's also kind of gross that they just straight chilled for a while after their mom and dad died. Don't really know what they did. Watched, you know, TV. Like, hopefully not in the room with them. Weekend at Bernie's, their their mom a little bit. Stop. Okay, well, remember the screenplay that Eric wrote about killing their parents yeah. for the insurance money? Apparently, over time, um, with edits, it morphed into an exact depiction of what happened the night of the murders. Oh, my God. So you're an idiot. Um, Eric says the reason that he killed his father was because he said he would never let his father touch him again. And remember when I said that the police didn't go through the proper procedures? Well, Eric and Lyle actually had the murder weapons in their cars and the police didn't search their cars. And also they had gun residue on their hands, but because the police didn't test them for it, they got away with the murder for a short amount of time. Because you can remove gun shot residue by like washing your hands thoroughly. Mm -hmm. So there's a very small window mm -hmm. to get it. They got arrested. They went to trial. Um, it was a really hard trial. The case was complex and a lot of people were super passionate about it. Um, and this is shitty, but many people believe that the sexual abuse claims were false and that the brothers were trying to use it to try to escape the death penalty. Yeah, so much so that when you mentioned this to me the first time, that's like the first thing I said. Mm -hmm. was like, oh, I thought they made that up. Yeah. But then, you know, looking more into it, it's like, uh, I don't think so. Now, there's so many, there's so much corroboration between other family members, you know, that like, why would they... Right. Turn on Jose after his death to say some lies just to save these kids. Like, no, they want to do that. Yeah. Right. Right. And the prosecutor for the case even says before the trial began, she suspected that they would fabricate that the brothers were sexually abused. But I I don't know. The, the boys got on the, well, the, um, they weren't boys, but the brothers ended up getting on the stand and they gave really chilling accounts of the abuse. Um, they called a different cousin than a, 
there was a cousin that Lyle told when he was eight that his dad was abusing him. But then he told another cousin who was his own age of the sexual abuse when they were 10 years old. The accounts of the abuse are just horrifying and nauseating. Um, It was said that during their time on the stand, press members, jurors, and audience members were crying. And um, in the one part that I was watching, they show the judge's face while the brothers are telling this. And, like, just the look on his face is one of utter shock. I never want to say, you know, I do believe that they were abused. I'd never... I never want to say that when someone claims they were abused, I don't ever want to be like, no, they weren't because that's not that's not cool. That's so not cool. Um, But, you know, even if you want to say that this didn't happen, you cannot deny that the parents were overly controlling visit and that there was physical and mental abuse that did factor into these murders as well. Yeah. Eric and Lyle had a really good lawyer. She would fight for her clients no matter what. She was described as ferocious. Um, The prosecutors really broke the story apart piece by piece. When the brothers got on the witness stand, they both claimed that they had a fear of their father killing them. So they killed him first. I keep hearing that like they were scared of their dad. They were scared of their dad. I'm sure there was fear of their father. I don't know if it was so much so that, you know. I guess supposedly they thought that he had bought rifles recently. So that's why they bought the shotguns. Okay. That they were going to use on him, so they were like, like it, like escalated. But when we talked about this too before we started recording, but like, why did they kill their mom then? Everything they say in the trial is all about. I was scared of my dad. My dad was going to kill us. We killed him first. He was abusing us, and they did talk about the mom being abusive in that same trial. But like the way they killed the mom was worse even than the Mm -hmm. way they killed it. They shot her in the leg, then the arm, then finished the job by shooting her in the face while she was like probably trying to crawl away. You know, like. So it just doesn't add up to me. Mm-mm. Like, I'm sure that, that, like, I also believe they were abused, but, like, why kill your mom then? I don't know. Unless the money was at least partially a thing, and they knew that if their mom lived, they wouldn't get it. I don't know. They, we probably never will know. Honestly, no, but. they're the only ones who know that answer, and they may not even have that answer. Yeah. Because they're obviously angry. And if you are at the point where you're willing to kill someone... Why not make it two? I guess. I don't know. I've never killed anybody. And they really did give detailed accounts on how they shot their parents. And Lyle ended up crying on the stand. The the prosecution went after the brothers for their spending habits after the murders, like I was talking about. um, Because they were committed to prove that they were in it for the money. The the trial became really sensationalized. So much so that SNL ended up making a skit out of the trial. And this is the first trial. Yes. Yep. Because they were tried separately. Yeah. At first and... They later had a second trial. At the trial, they would wear at the trials they would wear pastel colored sweaters, and their attorney would treat them like children in front of everybody to just kind of make it seem like they were more innocent than interesting. They were, um, and they were often referred to as the boys by their own attorney, and then also the prosecution. The pro- so it was, they played into it. Yeah, the prosecution. I was watching an interview with the. They were interviewing one of the prosecutors, and she was like. It got into my brain. They just kept calling them the boys, the boys, the boys. And she's like, and then I started referring to them as the boys, which is really interesting. But after six months of trial and of trials and deliberations, the jurors were unable to reach a decision on whether or not they were guilty. Both juries. Yes. Because they were separate. There were two separate trials and both juries were a hung jury. Yep. They were hung. Um, They had the case had to be tried a second time. 
And at the second trial, the judge banned cameras in the courtroom and he banned certain evidence. I I am always for banning cameras in the courtroom, though. I hate how we sensationalize these, Mm -hmm. like, murders and stuff while the justice process is going on. Mm -hmm. Like, we can do it after, but, like, during is so Mm -hmm. stupid. I agree. I agree. Um, in the second trial, the jurors didn't hear anything about the family history, which is kind of crazy. Um, jurors who were put on the second trial had said if they had heard the family history, it would have changed their minds. Um, and uh, clearly, that was on purpose. At the same time, the OJ trial was going on, and as the so OJ's trial and the second Menendez b- murder trial were both going on at the same time. So this put a lot of pressure on the jurors because the white population of Los Angeles was demanding for law and order. Mm. Um, after the first trial, the brothers were broke. They didn't, they ran through their money. Um, and for the second trial, their attorney fees had to be paid for by the state of California. So after the second trial, both brothers were commit were convicted of first degree murder. On July second, nineteen ninety six, seven year old oh, seven years after they committed the murders, the brothers were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. They were also sentenced to serve consecutive sentences for the murders and the charges of conspiracy to commit murder. Lyle and Eric were eighteen and twenty one when they killed their parents, which is. So young. Young. Very young. Eric said that if the brothers were put in different prisons, it would be difficult for him to live. And uh, initially, the brothers were put in separate prisons. Was it difficult for him to live? I think so. Okay. (laughs) Well, maybe not that difficult because... Well, at least he's not a liar. Yep. Well, you know what? Prison life hasn't been all bad for the Menendez brothers because Eric actually got married to a woman who was writing him letters in prison. Her name's... I think her name's Tammy. Cute. Um, They had a wedding in the prison. So cute. Barbara Walters was doing an interview with his wife and she was just like distraught because she could not wrap her head around the fact that um, this woman was married to a convicted murderer. Um, But when asking why she was with Eric, his wife claims that Eric is the most sensitive, kind. I mean, he's just he's always there for me. He can't run. He worries. You know, (laughs) I've never I never had that before. And to that, I have to say, raise your standards. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's coming from me. He's always there because he can't go anywhere. Yeah, he listens. He doesn't have anything else to do, bitch. Of course he listens. Also, did you know that uh, their wedding cake at the marriage was a Twinkie? No, I didn't know that. They split a Twinkie. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) Oof. That's terrible. Oh, my God. Hey, I mean... She'll never have to, have to go through the awkward time of meeting his parents. Am I, right? I yeah. <laughs> she never has to worry about hating her mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Woof. Fucked up. Jesus. She. Tammy says she's happy, but they've never had sex, which is All shitty. Right. I guess. Do they think you think they write each other sex letters? Pull a soldier boy and kiss her through the phone. Oh no! Not like that, please. I better, I guess, slightly. <laughs> oh, yuck. Could you imagine tonguing the phone? Ew, you know they probably In prison? No. Ah! You know yeah, it's, not, it's not like your phone. It's like this is a this is a communal phone that you're putting your tongue upon. Oh, it's gross. like the old paper. Imagine like she's just, they're both about to come and then they're like, 
You owe three more dollars. Stop. Where did I put my that's quarters? So close. Where did I put my quarters? Ching, oh. ching, 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 ching. Uh, that's a sketch, actually. That's, that would be hilarious. But Eric says what he can't offer her physically, he can offer her in complete devotion and love. Great. Which is super easy to be devoted to your wife when you're straight in an all-male prison. Great. Well, Eric isn't the only lucky man in this scenario. Lyle also fell in love, and he claims that he would be willing to have a family. How? <laughs> it makes my brain hurt, honestly. Oh, the babies can commit, like, baby crimes and get sent to sent to the same prison, and then they yeah. can all be in their, Aww, their little baby prison. orange jumpsuits, you know? Aw, but that'd be cute. Um, He did get married to his first wife uh, while in prison, but it only lasted a year. First, first wife? First wife. And then he first. got <laughs> married a second time what? to a woman who was a pen pal to him in prison. What? <laughs> These women need to raise their standards. I just want to know how Lyle Menendez can find two wives while being incarcerated, and I can't find anyone who will commit to me. You got to lower your standards, Naya. There's someone out there. Who I would- guess I need to quit murdering that dick and just actually murder someone. Oh, <laughs> My <laughs> God. <laughs> no, you said it. You said that sentence. But um, this is really sad and not funny. But <laughs> Great segue. Uh, Lyle says that his childhood prepared him for prison. Which oh, is, man. That's so shitty. I don't want to think about the implications that that has. Thank you very ah, much. I didn't even think about that. I don't want to. I don't want to. We're I not, thought about, we're not thinking about all it. I was thinking about was like that it was we're not, not fun. thinking about it. Oh, man. Well. Oh, shit. I forgot. I left this part out earlier. Okay. Well, I'm just going to leave it in now. So one time, Lyle and Kitty got into a fight. This was before the murders happened. And um, it got physical. And Kitty ripped off his toupee. Dude, she snatched his weave, bro. She snatched That's his weave. Up. And his dad made him wear a toupee because he was balding. <laughs> and um, he's bald now. Nice. They don't let him have a toupee in prison. How sad. It is. Um, the brothers have both been turned down for appeals, yeah. for their requests for appeals. They went through the whole circuit and got denied. Oh, yeah. No, every time. Um, Lyle and Eric were in separate prisons until February 2018. Lyle was moved from Mule Creek State Prison in Northern California to Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego, California. Go Chargers! Yep. And then on April 4th, 2018, Lyle was moved into the same housing unit as Eric, and they were reu- and they were reunited for the first time in 22 years. Reunited, and it feels so good. Yeah. I don't really know how I feel about them being reunited. Whatever. I, I guess know, they're going to spend life in prison anyway if they want to put them together. I don't think it matters that much. I guess. Um, but the brothers, their story has gotten a lot of attention from the press, um, which isn't crazy because it's super horrific. Yeah, people love fucked up shit. Yeah, um, their story has been the subject of documentaries, TV movies, television series, and comedy. Even podcasts. And podcasts! Um, I don't think it's funny, though. I don't know why we're making joke like, comedy shit about them, because this was tragic. Yeah. But, um... We, we make... The, the thing is, is we take the worst things in history and then make jokes about them because it's a way to help. I guess. You know, it's a way for us to compartmentalize it a little bit. Yeah. And once you can laugh at something, it means it doesn't have power over you. That's my idea of comedy. Ha ha ha, 9-11. Um, 
jokes about 9-11 can be funny. They can. So? I started doing this thing, another thing my mom hates. I'll be like, my name's Nina, like 9-11, now you'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> my mom does not like it when I say That's that. That's funny. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, my mom does not like that joke. Oh, my God. Um, but earlier this year, the brothers were trending on TikTok. Yes. Uh, the internet group. There, There's an internet group with members as young as 12 years old who are called the Menendez Defenders and Guardians. Great. They were on TikTok demanding the release of Lyle and Eric because of the fact that they feel the brothers acted out of fear and not out of greed. So they'd written letters to Governor Gavin Newsom and L.A. County D.A. George Gasson asking for the brothers' release. So personally, yes. And Kashan, we, I mean, we've already talked about this. We both agree that we're, they were abused. Yes. And when I was watching clips of the trial, I, I did believe them. Yeah, I've, I I've seen the clips too. Actually. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and like the shit that they were saying was so specific and so graphic, like, those things had to have happened to you. You don't make shit like like shit like that is not you don't make shit like that up. So I do believe that they went through everything that they said. However, this was a very brutal murder. And I do think they deserve to be in jail. As we talked about, like this was premeditated. It was violent. Um, I do believe their father got what they deserved. And I kind of believe that they got what they deserved think that this is one of the few times that we've done this show where justice was served all the way around. Do I wish they had to go to jail in order for their father to get what he deserved? No. I wish they wouldn't have had to kill their father. But, I don't know. There's just, there's an extra layer on this. Mm -hmm. That like when victims of assault act back against their like assaulters, a lot of the time it comes in like, you know, it's like it's like a, a crime of emotion, mm -hmm. and it's really quick, and you do it instinctively because you can't take it anymore, and you just you kill them, you know, because of what they've how they've treated you. But this one, they separated, they took time to think out how to do it, to plan how to do it, and went through all of the motions of covering it up as well. And that's just it's not. It's not, like, um, aligned with what normally happens in these cases. Right. So I feel like there is another level onto it. I don't know what it is. I don't think we'll ever know what it is. Um, but I believe them about being abused. Oh, but, 100%. But the way that they also killed their mom and how they just put so much thought and effort into doing it and then covering it up is just something doesn't add up. Right. So It was interesting. Someone I was... During an interview I was watching, they said that they do believe that if the brothers were women, they would not be in jail. I don't know if I 100% agree with that, but I do think it's a little more likely. Uh, yeah, I don't know. People definitely do seem to believe, you know. Women over men when it comes to this sort of thing. Yeah. I Which mean, is unfortunate. If, if you're the, abused, you're abused, and people should believe you no the, matter what. The prosecution actually argued in the first trial that men can't be sexually assaulted. The prosecutor said that during the trial. Okay, that's shittiest. Yeah. What? They said they said men can't be sexually assaulted because they don't work like that physically. <sighs> so. This was, the, this was the 90s. Yes. But holy shit. So, so, yes. I could also see that happening just because of that, but. Well. When we look at the story of the Menendez family, we see a story of grief, pain, and greed. 
Jose Menendez was a man who would stop at nothing to make sure he made his way to the top, taking down his sons and wife along the way. When the pain was more than they could bear, Lyle and Eric did the unthinkable and took justice into their own hands. Yes, their story is horrible, and thankfully I have never had to endure those things that those men went through. However, to brutally murder your parents is something that most people cannot understand. The prosecutor in the case said, One kid killing their parents is a bad seed. Both kids killing their parents is a bad family. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, please call the Domestic Abuse Hotline at 800-799-SAFE. Thanks for listening, guys. And transitioning to the end. I didn't know what to even do. No, it's finally over. All right? So there it is. Well, I didn't cry. I was worried I was going to cry. Yeah, I mean, it's rough. So... I had to take, honestly, when I was researching this, I had, I, it took me like, usually I sit down, do all my research in a day. Yeah. I had to break this. I knew I was going to have to break this up. breaks. Yeah. And I did. It took me three days to research this because. It's a lot. I was, there was, there was a point where there's a couple points where I was like, I can't keep watching this and, or I can't keep reading this. And then when I was watching the one documentary, I was like. I had to pause it, and I was like, I need to go to bed, but I can't go to bed with this in my brain. Yeah. So I watched Great British Bake Off. I say, especially if you get into, like, the old videos of the brothers and the testimonies. It, it, it is really rough. Luckily, so. I had just, like, they were just talking about it at that point. But. but, hey, here's the thing. We get nine more episodes of corporate scandal. Yeah. And, uh... Fraud, yeah, you know, and conspiracy to commit fraud before we ever have to get Talk back to doing anything that. about this. Damn, so can't wait. So there we go. But I'm still happy that hopefully for the uh, traditional true crime lovers of this podcast that wants to hear, you know, a little bit of grit and and, and gore or whatever, yeah. um, that you did enjoy yourself today. Oh, uh, so, you- yeah. Thank you for listening to season four finale i can't believe it we just finished season four yeah this was episode this is episode like 44 if yeah. you if you count the bonus episodes we've done as right, well. right right this is episode 44 mm-hmm. so yeah i was showing somebody our spotify the other day and i was like wow we've got a lot it's a backlog so uh we are gonna take two weeks off mm-hmm. like we normally do from producing actual episodes um so in that time i mean if you just jumped on we actually have gotten quite a few listeners on here at season four uh that weren't here previously feel free to go back we reference a lot of our old episodes a lot if you want to go back catch up on our backlog we'd love that um help support us uh do you want to do the out the, yeah, the ending do. stuff yeah because i'm i'm finally starting to remember it let's do it and we are we are i have decided we're gonna do a giveaway for our one year anniversary perfect um that is next month, so look out for details on that. Yes, uh, yes, we'll, we'll, yes, We'll be yes. giving away some prizes. We just got to work out the semantics of how we want to do it. Yeah. So keep a lookout. Um, but, you know, if you like what you've been listening to, you love us, um, you want to support us, a free way that you can support us is obviously by listening. But also, uh, our analytics show that 80% of you are listening on iTunes. Uh, Apple Podcasts, iPod, what, what the fuck? Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. I was going to say iPodcasts. And I I was like, that's, that's what they should have named it. But. It's not the thing. It's not what it's called. Um, but, you know, 80% of you are listening on Apple Podcasts. If you could write us a review, we would love that. Um, you know, five-star reviews. We fuck with five-star reviews. We love we, them. We do fuck with we, them. We fuck with them. But uh, if you don't want to leave a five-star review and you want to leave an honest review on ways we could improve... We also love that. Fine. We'll take that too. Um, 
But another way, a more unfree way that you can support us is by going to wow is by buying our merch on t public we've got merch. swag guys we've got hats we've got hoodies we've got stickers etc yeah go buy it they're cute and the sweaters are super soft and it's almost sweater weather link All to right? the merch is in our show description and also there's a link on our website whitecollarsredhands.com yes and you can also another free way to support us is by following all of our social media um on our Facebook at facebook.com slash white collars red hands, our Twitter at white collars pod, our Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. We are also on YouTube on the Entertainment Buffet channel. If you like to just like put it up and look at the little graphics that Kashan made, they're real cute and nice. Um, Links to all those also on our website. Yeah, or you can go to our website at white collars red hands hands.com exactly okay great <laughs> and if you ever have a show suggestion or you know you just want to talk to us stop on by if you're a lyle who wants to send nina a dm yeah you can email us at white collars red hands at gmail.com yay i think that's it that's it so we will see you back in a couple of weeks for season five and another season of white collars Red, Red hands. hands.